0: Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchik, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Polichuk. produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Welcome, everybody, to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl, and I'm joined today by both Amy and James. Welcome, welcome. So, uh, all right. So, what are you guys up to? Uh, I know I'm. I'm enjoying the warm weather. It finally got hot in Sacramento. We don't. We don't usually get uh, cool weather in July, uh, but it's been in the nineties, and so uh, it's finally getting up closer to one hundred.
1: Well, I'm getting ready to uh, go on a big sailing vacation for a couple of weeks. So, all right. That will be. Look forward to that. Which lake? Lake Huron. So I'll be over on the Canadian side up in northern Georgian Bay, North Channel, sort of Canadian cottage country, will slash wilderness.
0: And do they have uh, uh, uh boats keeping you from going ashore in Canada?
1: No. <laughs> just no, not more not, not, a, not anymore. <laughs> they they were quite serious about it during their COVID thing. And they remained serious about it for about two more years than the United States did, but they're over it now. So James, what are you up to after all
2: that? that's, I am busy, busy, busy. So uh, I think I have uh, five EOS implementations all going on at the same time. Wow. So that is keeping me really busy and uh, getting ready and kind of gearing up and trying to massage my calendar for uh August one, two, three. Uh, I'll be in Las Vegas uh, to yeah to Ed Comptia, uh, and so looking forward to that. That's coming right around the corner. And then just this week, I for another uh, community, I've got a, a leadership class um, that I'm I'm working on. So kind of launched a lot of things here in July. So it's been busy, busy. Excellent. Well, I will be at
0: Comptia. Um, I'm hoping to have a big, like a, a not quite a family reunion, but pretty close to it. Richard Tubb, Eric Simpson, uh, Eric's entire team, and my entire team. So uh, there might be alcohol involved. So
2: <laughs> sounds saying. fun. Yeah. Sounds fun.
0: Just saying. So all right. So our uh, question of the week, uh, Amy spotted this one. So Amy, you wanna you wanna do the setup here? Sure.
1: So a, uh, a person starting in, into this business has been going along doing break, fix work and says, hey, you know, I'm I've decided to make a real business out of myself and I'm going to move to becoming an MSP. So he's been doing a lot of research about how other people run their contracts and what stack they have and all those good things. And then he says, um, but what do I do about I have these clients that have three PCs and they don't need a whole lot. What do I do do with them? So that is our question of the day. Um, When do you guys start? What do you think? What should you do?
0: Well, so we grew our business by realizing that there's a certain amount of overhead for having every client. Every client will take a certain number of hours of your labor whether you like it or not that's there is overhead and so um, we moved up to a five user minimum and eventually a 10 user minimum and it was when we discovered the cloud bundle that we were then able to go back down and sell those one two three user clients uh, so i think if you have a bundle of services at a reasonable price then you sell the bundle to the user a five a five user bundle and if they only have three people, it's totally fine. The price is so reasonable that they won't bat an eye at it. And so uh, today, that bundle is probably uh, you know three ninety nine for the bundle and three ninety nine for the managed services. So uh, you get about eight hundred bucks a month, and it's not horrible. And uh, they get good service, and everybody's happy.
2: Well, there are two things that come to mind: small small clients. I'm I'm going to assume that. He's all TNM, right? because he doesn't have any contractual clients. And as you're trying to build things out, i'm I'm more of a fan of of um, you know creating the bundle like Carl said, but uh, regardless if it's one, two, three, four, five, you know a lot of people have, you know, I'm not going to support anybody smaller than five seats. Uh, I would go after that business. and uh, again, as long as it's a reasonable price, I would get that business and then, uh, take a look at profitability, you know, as you as you move forward. But um, there's a, a campaign, because I'm asked this question a lot, you know, hey, I'm moving from T and M and I want to move into managed services and get people signed up on a subscription. You know, how do I do that? And most of the times if somebody is old school still doing TNM, they also um, haven't raised their prices in a long time. So I'm going to make that assumption, but there's a campaign that I call the good news, bad news, great news. <laughs> the, the bad news is you send an email out. It's a three-step email campaign where you're, hey, I got bad news, we're going to raise our prices. We haven't raised our prices in five years. You know, that's that's the bad news. The good news is I'll keep your hourly rate for projects the same if you convert over to um, you know, to a subscription where we can load our tools and manage your network, and that's where you kind of connect them to that subscription, and, um, you know, and then basically you convert it into that's the great news that you'll keep their rate the same uh, for projects, but, um, you know, they now have this service available to them, and I would go after the one, two, three clients, you know, I would, I would onboard them, you know, maybe charge a little bit more uh, per seat than what you normally would, but uh, I'd try to get that revenue so you can move forward.
1: So I think I have a slightly different take. I love small clients. I, I just love these people. They are, they're the best referral source that you will ever have.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: These small companies are typically um, in the professional services industries. So they're, they're consultants, they're coaches, they're trainers, they're people with massive amounts of connections. And, and so what I did is uh, I actually created a quarterly plan rather than our, our wow. uh, standard, standard plan that's monthly.
2: We mm-hmm. shifted
1: to quarterly because one of the things you can't afford to do with super small customers is have a lot of overhead. So our overhead for billing and that only happens once a quarter. And then what we said is all right, we're going to we're going to visit with you once a quarter rather than once a month as we do with our our other clients. And we're, you know, do sort of a catch-up thing, right? We're gonna at that point, we're gonna make sure all your updates applied and check your backup and blah blah blah. We're only gonna do that once a quarter for those smaller clients rather than every month. That allowed us to, you know, adjust how much time we're spending with them. But the main, because the main thing that they're interested in is, well, today they're interested in being secure because that's everyone's number one concern, but they're also want to make sure that they have someone that they can trust to call because they've identified that technology is really important to their business. Once a quarter, we're going to do our managed services stuff for you. Mm -hmm and that comes at a, a fixed fee. And then anytime you want to, you can call us and here's your rate for, for that, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's been extremely profitable. If I look at the percentage profit across different clients rather than the revenue, those small clients are the most profitable ones we have. They, they're small revenue numbers, but they're high profit numbers. So you, you can make it work I say, go for yeah. it.
0: Everybody has to be successful in their own way. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I I really I I started with small clients, but my experience was, and this may be just the difference where I live, small clients are uh, tend to be far more needy, and the amount of neediness per desktop supported is significantly higher in small clients than it is in larger clients. So. Uh, For us, you know, everybody talks about the sweet spot Uh, for us. We found the sweet spot to be people who were uh, above five and probably below 15 and um, were dependent on technology. And I rarely found that in one person companies. I have, I will say, we did have in our, when we went to the bundles, we had two people who were one person companies buy the five pack and loved it because it was, again, it was a reasonable amount of money for what they were getting. And uh, we had uh, two companies that were three people each by the five pack. And so uh, Mm. it allowed us to to serve those clients and maintain profitability. So Mm. it's again, your mileage may vary and probably will. Uh, (laughs) Right. By now you've heard of the National Society of IT Service Providers, but why should you join? The NSITSP is committed to transforming our industry into a profession. They've established an industry-wide code of ethics and are working to improve the reputation of IT consultants nationwide. Wherever anybody is talking about IT consultants, NSITSP wants a seat at the table. That includes the media, government regulators, and the general public. Take pride in your industry and show off your membership. Join us today at nsitsp.com. It's time for five minutes with somebody smart.
2: Here with a good, dear friend of mine, Dr. Lance Reichenberger. Hey, Lance, how you doing today?
3: Hey, pretty well, James. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. I
2: I wanted to ask, um, do you feel leaders are born or do you feel that they're created
3: leaders and and as i've mentioned in different things that i do that there's many different mindsets that some some scholars um warren bennis from sc believes that leaders are born yeah Um, Yeah. i sat under him um and uh, disagreed with him because i don't think i was born a leader Mm -hmm. i i i personally developed into a leader as well as other people seeing things in you and putting you in positions as you grow right and because sometimes um so sometimes people don't have the confidence to think that i can be a leader but Mm -hmm. you know say Mm -hmm. the person you report to in a company they're starting to give you more more functions more roles more duties and they see something that yourself can't you know, introspectively see and they put you in these roles and it's like, Oh my goodness, I can grow. This is not as bad. I, I'm, I think I can actually do this. That type of leader to develop another leader is required in those kind of, um, introverted workers, right. That they may not be as confident. And that right there shows me as well as in my research, um, that leaders are developed, leaders are built, and yeah. and because there's charismatic leaders like are i think are born that mm-hmm. that's a whole super subset of leadership and you know one one amazing um, um leaders couple leaders that are charismatic leaders in the yep. presidential leader realm i would go with john f kennedy and bill Clinton. Yeah. those guys are amazingly charismatic yeah and, and even in the old age, meeting um, 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 Clinton um, and having an opportunity to sit and talk with him while he was a speaker at Loyola Marymount, and um, my dad had the privilege of kind of carting him around, so I kind of tagged onto that because I wanted to meet him. And and I look at Clinton and the president; they're two different offices, right? But his charisma, no matter what he did personally, his charisma in the in how he got elected, and same with same with uh, Kennedy. I mean, yeah. they have built-in just smile this face because I was just reading something and doing some research I think it's about 10 percent of actually what you say versus the you know the other um, 80 percent mixed up between how you how you look and your and your expressions yeah and how you dress is kind of all built together right yeah is yeah is what builds charisma and some people have it some people don't And, um, but the the development is so important because it's, and the key to, I think, leadership development is you're always learning, right? I mean, entrepreneurs, leaders always are learning. I read about four or five books a week, whether it's read or listened. I mean, I complete a, you know, four or five a week and I know that's crazy, but leaders have to read and have to self-develop as if they want to get further in their leadership or become a leader.
2: You know,
3: what books like one minute manager, that's a great start. See yep. what see what see what it's like, and then just move on the different bigger and greater books. But I think yeah. the by far and and in, in education, there's a lot of educators. There's a lot of coaches like you, um, and what I do on the different side for um, um, you know, there's there's different sides of that to um, develop leaders and develop businesses and how to change people's lives really. So yeah.
2: All right. Great job. Hey, congratulations on your accomplishments and uh, getting through that program and uh, look forward to chatting with you soon. Thank you, James. Take care. Have a great day today. So
0: in the news, I I want to talk about, you know, recession and Microsoft, but Amy wants to talk about the cage match.
1: Yeah, I love talking about cage fights. (laughs) I think that is totally absurd. Of course, we are talking about the people of the decade, Zuckerberg and Musk. And Musk, for some reason I don't recall, challenged Zuckerberg to a cage match and apparently was quite serious about it. And Zuckerberg said, okay, name the place and time. And so they're both now posting pictures of themselves working out in I mean, it is, other than not having dueling pistols, it's literally a duel. And it will serve no purpose other than bet makers in Vegas will make a bunch of money. Um, And I expect both of them will be embarrassed in some way of being in a cage match. I just, I find the whole thing extremely childish. I don't know.
0: Uh, I would agree that it is 100% childish. It is a reminder that no matter how big businesses get, it's all about personality. And these two people don't like each other and whatever. <clears throat> uh, I won't be watching it or putting any money on it. Uh, it. It will feed the memes. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, I think Facebook wins because there will be more memes on Facebook uh, than there will be on Twitter. And so as a result,
2: <laughs> Zuckerberg will win in the long run. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did respect both individuals as successful business owners and disruptors in the industry, uh, but it's unfortunate to see two smart men do something so stupid and childish. So I agree with everybody. It's, I, I have no desire to watch it. And it just feels like it's a publicity stunt uh, an opportunity for these guys to have pictures taken with their shirts off. So. Well, uh, and you okay. mentioned the word men.
0: I do have to say my daughter made, absolutely. She made it really clear to me that she's making no effort to get into this industry because of things like this. And you know, this mm-hmm. wasn't a thing 10 years ago, but I, um, to her, this industry is is an entire bro culture in which women watch men do stupid stuff, and um, you know they they just don't feel like that they are welcome. Like if they walked in the room, you know she was she was went to the one company for a while. They used to do all these things. There's a road here called Black Rock Road, so they they had the Black Rock Games. And they literally were like racing tricycles and uh, eating worms and all this kind of stuff. And there was nothing about it that made her feel like she was welcome in that company. Yeah.
1: So oh, you yeah, know, this he,
0: is just another element of that.
1: Yeah, I, we we know empirically that this is a problem in our industry. And I, you're right. Here's a Here's yet another example of it.
2: Just... What, what what do you what do you guys think? Do you think it's really going to happen? Do you think it's, you know they'll they'll settle it you know separately or over Twitter or Facebook you know or or through the media or do you think they'll actually really will uh, you know drop the gloves and and fight? Do I think really it's actually
1: going to do it. Hmm. All indications are that it's actually going to happen.
0: Wow. I mean, given given the background of both of these two individuals, uh, I think they would be embarrassed to back out at this point. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, I uh, I'll have a bad prediction that that it won't go down and there'll be some clever excuse so they don't both look like complete idiots. But uh, um, anyway, you could tell how disinterested I am. I'm not even following it and, you know, uh, have no desire.
0: I'm going to to Vegas, and since uh, there's no uh, no Gonzaga basketball to bet on, uh, I will not be tempted to uh, go and <laughs> bet on this uh, as a substitute. Exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> so,
0: but you know, it's it's also the case we see these battles between Microsoft and Apple and Adobe, and very often it comes down to. Uh, if the executives don't like each other, they don't make a deal. So, you know, we've we've seen it in the S and B space with companies who, uh, two two companies in particular, I won't name, but they both went from being startups to being uh, billion dollar corporations in the last twenty years, and uh, uh, you know, their their ownership basically took every opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, go after the others, and it's just. It is childishness that does not go away, no matter how big the
1: company gets. Yeah. No, I mean, think about back in the day, Steve Ballmer was famous for his childish acts. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He he would, he set up a guillotine on Microsoft's campus to chop off the head of Novell. I mean, it's Our industry has a reputation problem, and our CEOs of our major corporations do not help at all. True. One time
0: I was at Worldwide Partner Conference, and um, Vlad Masick and I got sat, I think we're probably in the second or third row, and we were like, uh, are we uh, out of the distance of how far Ballmer can throw a chair? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it was an actual consideration at the Worldwide Partner Conference, right? <laughs> yeah, funny.
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: Azure AD, which basically has you know captured a massive ten percent of the market, uh, uh, you know, is uh, is changing their name. And I don't know if it's to get um, new subscribers. The enterprise has basically said, you know, that we have absolutely no interest in in adopting this technology. Um, no,
1: but... you're 100% wrong about that, Carl. Azure Active Directory is the largest directory in the world. It is absolutely enormous and hugely successful. Well, how
0: come the tech reporters don't know that? This is dumb.
1: <laughs> like, everything you do in Microsoft today uses Azure Active Directory. If you have a subscription to any online service from Microsoft, from many third parties, including Comcast and others, you are you have an Azure Active Directory account. It they do mm-hmm. billions of logins a day.
0: But but that's only that's it as background technology, not as people choosing to adopt it and say that will be our logon system as we go to the cloud.
1: It, so, they would have seems- no. They, I mean, they, that's that's sort there. of like
0: saying I, I use I use, you know, ASCII based uh, technology because every version of Windows has a command prompt, you know, it's just, you know, just because you, you use some background technology doesn't mean that you have actively chosen it.
1: But the what it does mean is-, is that it is so standardized and ubiquitous that you no longer need to even know because it just is the only directory solution that is out there today. It is
0: oh, the thing. Okta would certainly disagree with you on that. Uh, but you know, when enterprise says, "What is our universal logon for our systems?" It is not Microsoft Azure AD. I mean, it's included for free, so yes, I get it. But that's also like saying that uh, everybody on Earth uses Edge. You only use Edge so that you can download Chrome.
1: Uh, it, you're wrong. I don't know what to say, Carl. You're, <laughs> you're wrong.
2: All right. You two you are get out of the cage. No <laughs> cage <match today>. Speaking <laughs> of cage matches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of cage matches. So my question is why, why did they change the name? Did, did you guys see that?
1: Yeah. Microsoft has been rebranding everything in Azure and this is the source partial source of my disappointment with Satya, um, he has just let the marketing department run wild over there and yeah. they're making and they're making branding decisions that are seem to be just for the sake of branding and no substantive purpose um, yeah. it's a, everybody is frustrated with it we have things now called purview. Instead of compliance, we now have Purview. Instead of instead of Active Directory, which has you know a thirty year history of success, we now have Entra. You know, it's like, oh come on.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I saw the headline and it's they changed it what from Azure Active Directory to something and it made no sense to me and it was like next you know, another example of Microsoft just making things more confusing for their partners.
1: Um, And the confusing part will be is that, um, of course it wasn't in the general marketing announcement, but uh, to make things easier for everyone, they are not changing uh, the naming under the hood. So if you need to write a script or something, it's still Azure Active Directory um which means the name change will never ever stick because it, yeah, it's only works. it's only on the marketing page when you actually go to use the thing it's still active directory
2: yeah just more more confusing and i heard there's a uh, layoffs this week as well with microsoft so they um laying off you know uh, part of their staff part of their support staff. So there's another big round of layoffs. And then they also are managing less clients, so less partners uh, as well. So big, big changes uh, at Microsoft besides the branding.
0: Well, yeah. they they clearly are, are moving to a company that does not rely on customer service, right? The, the theory is If the software is good enough, then you can ignore customer service and and you don't need the personal side of things. Uh, So that being the case, uh, I think it's a great opportunity for everybody who still continues to focus on the personal side of things, right? Uh, Microsoft is offering managed services for, I can't remember what it is now, $10 a month or $5 a month. Uh, Pardon me?
1: Five bucks a month.
0: So yeah. you know uh, they want to compete with you, but if you ask your client, uh, okay, great, do you, you want to call Microsoft or you want to call
2: me? <laughs> your client right. is not going to choose
0: Microsoft.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I remember years back when they outsourced the partner help desk. You know, and you'd call in and you'd get pushed overseas, and I couldn't understand anybody on the phone. And then the big joke was every time you would call as a Microsoft partner. You get a hold of a human being, finally, each person that you ask the same question, you'd get different answers. So uh, that was always frustrating as well.
0: <laughs> One time in the days of small business server, getting connected to somebody at Microsoft's uh, support desk back in the day when they moved from away from Texas. And this person said, well, let me look in. And they looked and they said, oh, well, there's something wrong with your active directory. You don't have any users. And I was like, oh my God you've never actually seen a small business server before, have you? <laughs> mm. They weren't where he expected them to be because he came from the server side. Uh, and I thought it would be the same thing. Uh, the other thing is with uh, regard to uh, you know changes going forward, uh, Microsoft multi-factor authentication. Uh, Amy may argue with this, but the stats say uh, 22% adoption so far. So most people are not using Microsoft MFA. Uh, will that go up just because they will keep pushing it until you don't have any choice? Or will people actually choose to uh, use it?
1: I don't think this is a Microsoft question. That The statistic is for all of MFA, like Microsoft's been pushing it hard, hard, hard. So they have their numbers. But it's true of all MFA for some People are very reluctant to adopt multi-factor authentication, and yet it is shown that it will protect you from 99% of everything that's out there by just taking that one small step. Um, And I, I gotta, I hope that it is just people that don't have relationships with IT professionals that are still in that situation. Where they're putting themselves, their businesses, their livelihoods at risk for, for lack of typing in a code. Um, it just it just really doesn't doesn't make any sense. Uh,
0: final note: I just want to touch on this, and then we'll we'll be done for the day. Uh, the report came out last week. Inflation is, uh, if you round it up, it's 02 percent. So, <laughs> uh, for the last uh, report. Uh, which means we'll probably get another uh, uh, rate increase from the Federal Reserve. And uh, then we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. But um, it may be that that long-awaited recession just is never going to happen. So I hope that that nobody's disappointed about that. (laughs) Oh, shucks.
2: Darn.
1: (laughs) The only people that will be disappointed are the ones that are waiting for their day to be proven right. They're going to have to wait a few more years.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there will be a recession.
1: There will be a recession, and that will allow them to say, see, I predicted the recession.
0: I've been telling you for five years that there would be a recession.
1: There will be a recession. There is going to be everything points to it. Can't you see what I can see? And then... Yeah, so it's a long, long-term game they're playing, but there's no recession coming
0: tomorrow. Well, the other bit of good news is that uh, uh, the, fl- the cost of airline flights has gone down for the first time in uh, about eight months. So that's not a bad deal. Thank goodness. All right, with that, I think we're done for the week. Please like, share, subscribe, tell all your friends, and we will see you next week on the s Community Podcast. Bye.